Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Head of Performance Research at Kitman Labs, Martin Bushait, and CEO and founder at Kitman Labs, Stephen Smith. tuning into this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today, it's a slightly different episode coming up with Martin Bashai and Stephen Smith. So anyone that's in and around strength and conditioning or sports science will have seen Martin's move from Paris Saint-Germain to Head of Performance Research at Kitman Labs. So a really interesting move that we talk a little bit about in this episode and his transition out of pro sport into the commercial arena with Kitman Labs. So this episode is based around the performance research that Kitman Labs are doing, which Martin is heading up, and what it's gonna do for the industry, why Kitman Labs are embarking on this journey to improve the industry through the work that they do. So a really interesting episode with these two guys. Like I say, slightly different, but it's a bit of an insight into where the industry is going and collaborating between the technology companies and the actual users to pull all this data together and pull some really interesting insights out of it. So I hope you enjoy this chat with Martin and Stephen. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Perch. Perch enables velocity-based training, no strings attached. Engineered at MIT, Perch uses small and mobile cameras to monitor and manage weight room performance without detracting from it. By passively collecting speed and power data, delivering it in real time to athletes and storing it for post-workout analysis, Perch enhances workouts, reduces injuries and saves time. Perch works with every level of organization, from the 2019 National Championship LSU football team to the NFL's New York Giants, military installations, high schools, and to a number of growing sports performance facilities and even individual garage gyms. Perch is portable, easy to install, intuitive to use, making it ideal for every facility and every training goal. No more pre-workout setup, no more attachments to athletes and barbells, no more broken strings. Set Perch up once and optimize every rep. Reach out to Perch today and for exclusive deals and offers, tell them Rob sent you by going to perch.fit forward slash Pacey. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Kitman Labs. So Kitman Labs partners with leading sports teams to help them consistently achieve the highest levels of performance by increasing the impact of their data. So over 200 teams across the globe rely on Kitman Labs' performance intelligence platform to quantify the costs of performance and injury and receive the right insights at the right time. Through unique outcome-driven analytics and the most advanced athlete management system, teams can align their organizations around a shared view of what it takes to drive performance and health and move at the speed of sport to adjust and continuously improve. If you want to know more about Kitman Labs, head over to www.win.kitmanlabs.com forward slash impact. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field, IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running-based sports. 
So iMeasure have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor Blue Trident, which includes ultra-high G capabilities to quantify high-impact steps such as cutting, landing and sprinting, longer battery life to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. I Measure You, now part of Vicon, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, US Department of Defense and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about I Measure You, head over to their website, imeasureyou.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at imeasureyou. So without further ado, over to the episode with Martin Bushite and Stephen Smith. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So this afternoon, I'm delighted to welcome Stephen Smith and Martin Bushite. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Rob. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Stephen, I'm coming to you first. Podcast tradition, getting a bit of background from guests. So coming to you for Kitman, what you do what you do at Kitman, what you did before that, education wise, and just give us um, a little bit about you. Yeah, so <clears throat> what I do at Kitman, I think, is probably a little bit of everything, right? My role is uh, the CEO, obviously, but um, you know, I'm kind of involved in in all aspects of everything, from some of the product development to some of the applied and performance science work, <clears throat> to even sometimes uh, some of the customer support and the work that we do with our clients and understanding what's working and what's not and what's good and what's bad and how we continue to improve. And now, since Martin's come on, um, you know, hoping, uh, you know, he, he might uh, validate the fact that we've been helping on some of the research in the areas that we want to go and providing some focus and direction around, you know, what 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 I believe is important to, about where the industry should go. Um, my background has always been in professional sports. So since coming from university where I studied uh, the equivalent of, of athletic training um, in, over here in the US um, or, or injury rehabilitation and um, in, in, uh, in Europe. Um, I you know, did, a, did a master's in football rehabilitation um, and also did my CSES and qualified as a strength and conditioning coach whilst I was in university. Moved straight into working with Leinster Rugby and kind of assumed a, a hybrid role there, working between the sports medicine team because of my background and working between the strength and conditioning team as well and kind of bridging the gap between one and the other. Um, and spent, you know, eight to nine years there, um, like learning essentially and, and, and haven't stopped since. And it was an incredible journey for me because. It was a small organization, you know, by, by, I suppose, global and European standards on what was achieved, you know, I think on the field and, you know, in the performance center was pretty exceptional. And the structures and process that were put in place and the, the hunger and the ambition to continuously be better, but to always do that from a place of evidence and fact was, I found really, really inspiring and was, I suppose, the catalyst that led me to start Kitman Labs and, and to go on this journey and, and to do it probably in a way that, that was different than, um, than I think other, other people have, have looked at solving some of these problems within the industry. Nice, mate. Come to you, Martin. Um, yes. Uh, so, well, quick introduction, yes. Yes, please, mate. Yeah, um, that'd be great. Yeah, so now I joined, I joined uh, Kitman in uh, late, late August. Um, before that, six incredible years at uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, before that, uh, Aspire in, uh, in Qatar, alongside uh, consulting a bit in, um, in different sports. Uh, the best, biggest experience at this time was uh, having the chance to work in, in AFL also. 
So learning a lot from, from those guys uh, in Oz. Um, before that, uh, lecturing, working in, in handball, uh, which was my initial sport. So kind of always been a bit on the, both on the, on, on, let's say on, on, on both sides of, of the thing. So being uh, delivering sessions and also building research uh, across the years. How, how important has that hand in research been? Martin, throughout your career, working in pro sport, but always keeping that research arm going? Um, I always saw both uh, really working together. Like if I would just deliver a session, I would quickly feel bored uh, because I'm not saying that obviously it's, it's possible and some people, they do an incredible job, but it's more about that's more my mindset of trying. I, I like to understand what I do. I, I like to try things and to understand yeah, the outcomes So and learn from the practice. So this is how I see the importance of integrating research in the, 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 the practical side. But on the other side, as a researcher, if you are too far from the, the, the reality of the field, you just you can very, very quickly miss uh, what's really important. So both worlds need the other to, to grow. That's what I think. Nice. I always find it fascinating when people transition away from post pro sport, even just for a short length of time, and, and do make their way into sports tech. What was that transition like for you? What was the reasons behind that, if you can, uh, if you can go into that? And how, how well has it been received by peers and people around the research community, applied community? Like the, the, the first big reaction from, from let's say, the, the peers, it's more how are you going to do to enjoy again or to, to kind of to still be successful once you've been in such a prestigious uh, position. That's the, the vision from the outside. Because you've been working for a big club, it's kind of the end goal. Um, but that's, of course, if you look at the position as the position, the title as the title. And it's unlikely that I would ever have a similar position in such a British club. That, that, that's sure. But then if you look at what you actually achieve on a daily basis, if you look at your overall development career, um, you just can't do, keep, keep doing the same things uh, over and over because you need to learn. You need to do different things. And uh, I see what I do at Kitman at the moment really as a next step in my overall career and development. It's not something, again, it can be seen as less, less, less fancy, less sexy because you don't have the big logo on the, on the shirt. But I actually, I knew that what I would do with Kitman uh, would be more impactful for me, for my learning, and hopefully for what we're going to be able to do for the, the community. It's way more oriented towards uh, the others than just helping twenty guys to to win uh, to win the cup, you know. Um, so yeah, it's probably a wider reach as well. I've been talking about me in, in terms of development and career, but also a way wider reach, uh, wider audience, and and so on. Um, I start already, however, to miss the the rhythm. So I'm not saying that I'm definitely not happy to have uh, quiet weekends and not be on the, on, the, on the plane every second day. So that's obviously invaluable for family. Like the kids, they, now they, they understand, but for the first months, they were just asking me, but why are you, not, why are you still here? You know, that, <laughs> that, that was a bit strange for them. Uh, but what I miss is having to solve uh, questions in an hour for tomorrow. This is the most exciting when you are in this um, in the, the hamster wheel. You know, you just there's always something to think about. There is always a solution that you have to think of. 
could be very practical, could be everything, but it's all, there is always something happening. And um, everything needs to move quick, whatever the reason or whatever the, 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 the lever you use. And when you are in a different types of world, um, everything is obviously slower. So you have to adapt to that and manage your frustration on, on, on this level. Not saying at all that everything we do is, is, is slow with, uh, with Kitman, but it just, it's not 24 hours, 24 hours. So as long as you have weekends, everything slows down just because it's weekend, for example, you know? So, but it's more, yeah. I'm not missing the winning, losing, these kind of things, because that's something I still, I always kept processes versus results uh, as targets. But I definitely do miss the, yeah, the, the need to, to get things going quickly. Mm -hmm. Coming back to you, Stephen, what was the drive to get someone on board? What was the project? And, and what was the process getting Martin on board? And why, why Martin? What does he bring? I think we've, you know, we, we've chatted for years about changing the industry and, and helping to be a driving force in the change that's happening in the industry. And, you know, we've always talked about one of our, you know, internal kind of company values is to be thought leaders, right? And, and we, like, we care about that deeply and it means something to us. And it's one thing saying that, and it's another thing actually doing it, right? And for years we've tried to perform bits and pieces of research inside and internally and you know it, it happens in pockets and some of it is good and some of it's bad and you know we're not always getting out and talking about it we're not always like engaging and, and sometimes we we get out and we talk to teams that we're working with we talk to people within the industry they have different opinions on what's important and i suppose we kind of it, it's a, a natural evolution or a maturity in our organization like we've got to the point now that we're nearly 100 people and working with nearly 500 teams globally we decided, you know, it's time to grow up, right? It's time to be who we said we wanted to be. And it's time to take that really seriously. And if we want the industry to change, you know, everybody talks about the fact that, oh, the industry is too slow. There's not enough of this progress happening, et cetera. Well, like, let's own it. Let's, let's own it and do it. And let's be that driving force and let's help the industry to grow. So we sat down and we talked about what would that look like and what would that mean from a research perspective and what does research actually mean does that mean getting out and publishing does that mean working with teams does that mean actually engaging the industry and giving people somewhere to go and talk and you know we'd seen some of the work that that martin had already tried to do around perfsci research etc and we were like we were really intrigued by that concept and you know we made a list of okay what is what is the impact that we want to have what are, what are the things we would want to provide to the industry to, to really like live up to who we, do we say we were, we're going to be? And we are. And um, then we, we created a list of who are the people, you know, that we would, we would love to lead that. And, you know, we, we had a list of people that we thought were realistic and we had a list of like, who do we really want? <clears throat> and, um, you know, Martin was number one on our list and always has been and from the very first conversation I had with him. You know, I've had an incredible amount of respect for the work that he's done. Like, many people in this industry have more than 150 publications, like one, <laughs> like there's only one guy that's done that, right? Because he actually cares about it. And you've just heard from the reason that he moved, moved, moved from sport is that, yeah, it's great. And there's some really good things. And like, there is no replication for that, like time pressure and that you get in sport and that need to have something for a coach. And like, there's, there is nothing like that, but can we, can we affect like 500 teams can we affect a thousand teams can we have an impact that actually changes the way that every strength and conditioning coach or every performance manager every head of medicine or every like head of recruitment every head coach or every sporting director or gm can we can we have an impact that actually changes what they do every day and helps to push forward what they're doing 
like that is super exciting for me and i think um that you know that will you know, we started this company to leave an indelible print on the industry and, and to have done something different and i think if if we uh if we can achieve on that regardless of anything else that ever happens with this, this company i will walk away with an immense level of pride so what, when you say you've done things before on a smaller scale what were they why did they not can kind of do what you wanted them to do and how does what you're doing now differ to that? I think they're, they're pockets, right? They're these, we have, you know, partners that we work with and there's a specific research question and we're answering that specific research question. And then we're looking at it and saying, well, would have been better if we had done this. A lot of times like what we're doing as well is like protected and secret and we can't get out and talk about it because it's happening with the team and it's their IP. <clears throat> and that doesn't help the industry. It helps, certainly helps those teams, but it doesn't really help the collective like get better. And also we have ideas on some of the research that we're doing and we develop these concepts and we work on them, but we don't know if anybody cares. <laughs> we don't know if that's the most pressing issue. And then we see all of these like amazing practitioners all over the globe who are focused in on specific issues. But then we hear from people that like, well, the industry's not moving fast enough and there's not enough happening in these areas. So we decided, well, let's give everybody somewhere to engage, right? If we talk to everybody in the market and we talk to every strength and conditioning coach and we figured out what are the most important topics to a strength, to a strength and conditioning coach? And then what does that look like for football? What does that look like for rugby? What does that look like for American football, for baseball, for basketball, for hockey, et cetera? Can we start to figure out what the trends are? And can we focus our resources? So if we are going to be spending money on research, can we focus our resources on the areas that really that people really care about? And can we do things? And they don't have to be like, that doesn't have to be just working with clients, right? We're, we're opening up this entire engagement to everybody. And we're providing that free of charge, right? We're doing it because we want to understand what do people care about? What is important? If we were to solve these problems, what 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 would they you know what would they actually be? And I think one of the things that Martin and I have chatted about around this is that there is no gold standard in performance science globally today. There is no this is what best practice looks like, and there's there's different approaches. Sure, there's different philosophies, but can we come and actually start to develop a set of best practices? Can we start to query some of the philosophies and approaches that, that exist? And can we then offer people like an evidence-based kind of mechanism for how they approach their work? And can we really start to kind of change the shape of the industry from that? Um, and that's that's like the, the level of that uh, we've never done before. The scale of that we've never done before. The engagement with customers, non-customers, et cetera. And also the ability to start this from a point of, we want to get out and talk about this. And we want, to, we want to push the industry forward. We don't want to be hiding in a corner doing something that just affects one. We want, to, we want the industry to, to improve from this and for everybody to feel like, you know, that we're, we're advancing and we're getting more. And, you know, we, we've heard over the last number of years that there's been this enormous push for, like, collecting of data, storing of data. And there's so many people frustrated with what they've, that they've actually turned that into and what you know that has meant in terms of changing decisions and changing behavior and changing education and changing engagement and changing buy-in and we want to uh you know we want to improve that and we want to change that i'll come back to you in a minute as we get on to um the actual project itself but martin our overall perspective of of research as a whole in our industry what what's your feelings on it currently it'd be good to get be interesting to get your thoughts having obviously been in the thick of it yeah i think i, I try to escape very very quickly from the let's say the, the generic academic type of research 
where the, the end goal is not obligatory to answering important questions, but should get a paper published for the sake of publication, where you chase impact factors, you chase publication numbers. You know, and when, when Stephen is kind of praising, uh, praising me, like I've, I've, I've published many papers, but I'd rather say maybe I've only published a few that are at least impactful, you know? So again, it's about having more the, the, the qualitative aspect. So the research, I think, again, you know, I said how much I enjoyed when I worked in, uh, in, in AFL. Uh, that was 10 years ago now. Um, you all know very, very well Aaron Kutz, you know? This is, to me, someone that I respect incredibly for this ability of turning the right question, the, finding the right question and looking at daily data. So you're not, cannot, you're not even, you're not often uh, putting a research project into place as, as it's done uh, in, um, in, in, not in a lab or you, you don't conduct an experiment. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't have an experimental plan initially. You just get data flowing, going, as, as Stephen was saying. You just collect, uh, and then the question, they come by themselves from the practice. And then if you've managed to collect your data correctly, you, there, is, there must be a way to answer those questions with what you have already. Or if you don't have everything yet, then you can just discuss and see what you can do to have more data so that you can answer this question in, in six months or in a year time. You know, and this approach of doing something highly, very, very highly practical, as I said, I, I yeah, mentioned Aaron and there are many other guys, again, but will be the Aussies, AIS, all this, this culture of having, um, at, at the start of everything, a question coming from the sports, coming from the athletes, coming from the coach, which is completely different than what it's taught, it's taught in the universities, where for your master, you have to choose a research topic. You know, so you start from the other side. And if you choose yourself being a student, a research topic, it's not that likely that you may choose by yourself in your on the bench, on the bench of, of school, that you're going to choose the question that the other coach on the other bench is actually asking, you know. So, as, you know, as, I, I like the expression I, I, I like to, to, to repeat is that sometimes you, at the uni, you build the, the spaceship to land on the moon, but no one has asked you to, to go there. <laughs> You know? is, so is, is that is is that typically does that link back to why Stephen said about the frustration of people collecting, 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 but not feeling like this has all been pulled together? Is that the potential reason because people are coming from it from the wrong angle? Mm. Yeah, if you take about the example of people collecting data for the sake of it, it's again it's different from the guys at the uni or the the academic types of research. It's more probably lacking the the idea of seeing a global picture and having an understanding about which question can be answered with what we have or what shall we collect to respond to those questions. So this is where you need people from a probably this mixed background of both research and, and the experience. And that's hopefully what we bring now um, with Kitman as a company is to be able to help practitioners who already collect those data to think about what we can bring to to their system, to to what question we can answer to make them successful, to make sure they achieve what they want with what is uh, at disposal. So it's not the fact that people collect that make them frustrated. It's more that they probably don't know enough what they can do with those with those data. So they probably need more guidance. And I really see our role uh, in, uh, there in terms of uh, guiding practitioners to to better um, utilize their data. 
Would you agree on that, Stephen, given you've yeah. been in the thick of it for a while? <clears throat> I think not, not even just helping them to utilize it, but also I think helping them to elevate the importance and the impact of like performance science as an industry and within their organizations. I think, you know, some of the frustrations we hear is that we're collecting all this data, but, you know, we're only scratching the surface, right? So we're, we're using the, the use of that data is so small. So if we can come and actually help them to kind of grow that and, and maximize their actual use and impact of the data, great. But I think also we hear that, well, you know, we're kind of, a, the performance science department is operating in this pocket over here, right? And we're doing this stuff and it's not necessarily having the impact or, the coach doesn't necessarily buy in as much or this other department don't, or they don't understand what we're doing. So I think also what we're trying to do is we want to elevate the importance, right? And we want to elevate the impact of what we're doing. Cause you know, I think there's some super smart people in this industry that can have like, you know, can have a lot more to say and can have a lot more impact if we give them the right tools to do that. And, you know, I think, research and evidence and science and facts is an incredible vehicle for that because you know it, it's not martin's idea or rob's idea or steven's idea anymore right it's this is what we're seeing this is what's happening and and also if we can start to showcase how that would change things for our organizations then we can we can change hearts and minds and, and essentially i think that's what we have to do and I think we have to change the alignment within organizations, you know, like along with that as well, because if we can elevate the, the status of what we as, as we are doing as a profession, we, we also then can, you know, we can change the way these organizations are shaped to like, you know, get a, get a more important seat at the top tables and, and, you know, earn that. Bringing it back to the project, what was the, what was the first thing that you guys felt like you needed to do to, to kick things off, I suppose, build the, build the base from which to, from which to grow. Stephen? Listen. Okay. Like, I think it was enga like engage the industry and listen, right? We have, we have our ideas, but like they're not necessarily always the right ones. Right. So I think one thing we talked about was going into this with zero opinion and going into this and say, okay, what are the questions that we would want to answer so that we could guide this process? And it's, it's, it's less about our, we could form the guide rails for the process, not that we could guide it, right? We could find out how people want this to be shaped. And we've, so we've gone in with a very open mind as to what this should look like and, you know, what questions we should be answering and what areas we should be kind of pushing into. And, and Martin, to be fair, has kind of has, has led the effort on that. Go on, Martin, sorry. Were yeah. you going to say something then? No, no, but I think exactly as Stephen said, listen. And the way we thought we could listen to as many people as, as possible was to prepare and send out this uh, survey. Um, so, the, 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 and again, um, we, we definitely all have in the, in, in the company, and there's a lot of people with a lot of experiences that may had already some of course, some strong ideas or some biases around what we should prioritize. And it was very important that we would first wait for these uh, survey results so that we really can prioritize things in the, in the agenda. So let's, dive, let's dive into the survey. What, what kind of things were you looking to pull out? Was it just the, the what was important to people? What was going to be most impactful to people? Was that the, the, base, of the, the base of the survey? Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. Trying to, to combine uh, what's both important but also complex to, to resolve or gain insights to. And these were still the, the ongoing discussion I always had with uh, Mathieu, Mathieu Lacombe at, at, at PSG. Um, 
or stuff back in the days with uh, Alberto Mendez Villanueva in, in Aspire, making the difference between what's really important and what's well, versus what it's only interesting. Because if you like the, the, the research, if you're just someone curious, you could just research on almost everything. Because if you by, by default, you're interested in things. But if you want to have an impact, it has to be interesting, but also important in terms, as you said, in terms of the impact. And to go further than that, again, to go back to the discussion with Mathieu, it's more about what is complex. So that you're likely, if you find out what is both important and complex, it's probably where people needs, uh, more need your help on that. And um, without surprises, what came back from the, the first round of the survey is uh, around the, 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 the management prediction is always a tricky word, but it's around, around understanding injuries. And it's, it's not a surprise in the end. And that, it's not a surprise that Kitman has been on the, um, on, on, on the, the, the top of that for, since, since the beginning as well, because this is where everyone struggles. Look at the injuries in the Premier League, look at injuries uh, everywhere. And you, ca you can't just blame, blame practitioners as if they didn't know. Otherwise, there would be just stupid people in every single club because there are injuries in every single club. You will always have a way, bet way, way many things to do things better, uh, but injuries are still the harder things to, to deal, to, to manage. So without surprise, that came very, very clearly first in, in the survey. For example, you know, was there a range of people that were filling it in? Were you going for heads of and directors of, or was it across the board to see what was important to everyone in an organization? Um, obviously, we contacted uh, Kitman's client to, to, to start with, uh, but these are discussions we already have with them uh, monthly, weekly, because we are in contact with them and we, we, we know them. So then it was good to open a little bit. And as Stephen said at the start, if you want to be able to bring uh, information to a wider audience, why not listening to other sports or people that are not uh, our direct clients? But interestingly, interestingly as well, uh, there were no difference uh, in between the top top four, top five. There, there were the, the top, those top four, top five were robust, irrespective of the sports, irrespective of the, the even the professions. Like you would be a strength and conditioning, a sports scientist, a doc. Everyone rated injury within the top three, for example. Okay. You know. Uh, same across sports. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what, so what now? So survey's been done, pre preliminary results are in, you've had a little look, what now? Yeah, and now we send round two. To, <laughs> to, 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 More to or less. <laughs> yes, because, yeah, you don't want to bother people with lo survey, too long surveys, so we went uh, incrementally, let's say. So now we're just getting drilling a bit further down into more, yeah, we want just hopefully hear more details on within the injury paradigm what's more important or where the, the, the smaller, smaller details. So it's more, it's more open, oh, come on, sorry. Yeah, it, it's, it's more probably more detailed questions, right? So now we, we understand what the big buckets are, what the big concepts that people are interested in, but now we want to understand what does that mean, right? How does that manifest itself? What are the exact portions of that that people find challenging, right? So is that, you know, if we talk about, I don't, I don't want to zoom in too far on the injury thing, right? Because there was, there was, you know, four or five big concepts, but, you know, is it around, like, are people struggling with the collection of data? Are people struggling with engagement with people? Are people struggling with, like, you know, the interpretation of, of um, the insights? Are people uh, 
is struggling with like the ability to turn that into decisions. Um, you know, are people struggling with the individualization of that or position specificity or of data set sample size? And, you know, there, there's, there's a, you know, there's a, a myriad of different kind of, you know, ways that we can slice and dice that. And again, what we don't want to do is hear that like that bell being rang about injury and then just jump in head first, right? And start approaching something that like solving a problem that doesn't exist. We want to make sure that we we give people the opportunity to help us understand what about that is challenging, right? What is limiting them right now? What can they do right now? What are their biggest frustrations right now? And then when we accurately diagnose the problem, then we can actually start, okay, this is these are the research questions we want to answer. These are the people who have said they're interested. Let's start working on this and collaborating on this and let's start going through the research process and then let's try and get insights back out as quickly as we possibly can to engage with the industry and help people understand, okay, this is what we get, right? And if people engage in this process, this is the output that they can get and this is how they can benefit from that. So so alongside injuries, what were the big rocks that came out of it that people are struggling with or want more from? Oh, unmute yourself, Martin. Ah, sorry, my mistake. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, no, sorry. Um, we also had uh, monitoring fitness, like you know, you know well as well around all those this topic about invisible monitoring and having a feel of whose 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 fit was not, without having to heavily test. Uh, but the, with the fitness comes with the the, the 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 player training status, the fatigue, like overall the overall monitoring uh, area which obviously is a big, big thing. And interestingly, we had also a lot coming around um, improving decision-making processes, um, which is less solved with a bunch of, uh, of data, of course. But again, and that's also, um, you know, gave me a bit more, I wasn't that surprised as well, but this is something that my colleagues at Kitman have taught me for, since my first day about fostering those, those, those relationships, this aspect of teamwork and the, around the decision process. So again, this is something that the guys at Kitman had already, they knew it already, and they were applying this, uh, let's say, overall approach uh, within the company, but also with the, 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 the club partners. So there was something that, again, yeah, they were probably ahead of that, even without, without having seen the, the survey results. So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Martin and Stephen. Hope you enjoyed part one. So over in part two, we discuss more around how this research that's going to get pulled together via the surveys that have gone out is going to really help the industry and really help coaches and sports scientists day to day in their practice and how Kitman Labs are going to pull together their their clients and the clients data to really provide some incredible insights to the industry so incredible part two coming up with martin and stephen but just before we do dive into part two i want to say a big thanks to hawking dynamics for sponsoring this episode today so hawking dynamics offer the world's first wireless force plate testing system so the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. 
So as I've mentioned, the Hawken Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can, I mean, you can also schedule a demo and follow them on Twitter at Hawking Dynamics. And also sponsoring this episode today is Black Box Fitness. So Black Box Fitness are a sports performance equipment manufacturer based in Belfast in Northern Ireland. So if you are looking for a full gym fit out, if you're lucky enough to be looking for a full gym fit out or just want to add additional pieces to what you've already got, whether that be barbells, dumbbells, plates, maybe a new rack, some flooring, etc, etc. Have a little look at what Black Box Fitness can offer. So you can head to their website, which is blkboxfitness.com, or for a more informal view of what they do, head over to their Instagram because they've got some really cool images of some of the recent projects that they've run in Australia, in the UK, in Europe, etc. So head over to their Instagram, which is at blkboxfitness, and they're the same on Twitter. So was there any common, and this is this interesting to me personally, is there any common barriers that came up that were across the board all, and why these things aren't been done? Why are they actually a, a struggle to implement monitoring and you know, yeah. f- looking at fatigue, for instance? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, again, it's not that, there, again, there are some responses that are related to clubs or sports. Like if it's linked because you don't have the technology, because you don't have the money, Obviously, no one responds respond this working in football because they have the cash, but some of the more modest rugby club will, will respond that. But when you take off those kind of contextual reasons for, uh, everyone comes, comes back to time and expertise. And it's not that surprising because time, you're just on the pitch every single day and you're just in, again, on this hamster wheel. So can't be bothered that you just can't find the time to, to think, to stop and think. And you don't have the expertise, fair enough, because in a club, you, you better employ a sports scientist or a conditioning coach than uh, Derek, uh, McHugh, uh, anal- analytic teams uh, with uh, seven brains, you know? So that's, that, that, that's obvious. That's obvious. You, you don't bring the expertise, you know? Is, is time always an issue? So if what you've seen from the survey, one of the barriers was time, no matter who it was like you've got 10 members of staff the expectation goes up therefore we aren't going to have time i'm a one-man band my expectations are low but i'm on my own my issues are still time yeah time came pretty consistently but i think and in this case i'm maybe a bit too critical but i think it's 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 a it's a wrong reason because if you work in pro sports all right you are you don't have the time let's say to do to, to, to spend time at home, you don't have time to, but you just have so much time in hotel rooms, in plane. So time, I don't, I don't think time is a, is a, you don't have time, let's say of uh, desk time, of office time. Like, okay, we give you three hours this, this afternoon to look at data. Of course you don't have that. So you don't have the typical research time. You don't have this, but if you organize yourself and this has been my life uh, for the, for the past years, if you, if you organize time, you can write uh, or you can analyze data in a plane, you know? 
it's up to you, Netflix or Excel, you choose. <laughs> yeah, but I think the, the other part of that is, right, it, it's easy for us to think sometimes and to feel, right? Time is a valid excuse if that's what we feel, right? But uh, there's lots of practitioners whereby for them to go and interrogate data and analyze it like that, even if we had six to seven hours to sit down, like we don't always know where to start, right? We're, we're not, like like you mentioned, you mentioned Derek McHugh, our, our head of data science. You know, he's a, he has a, a PhD in theoretical physics. You know, I don't know if there's any head of performance or strength and conditioning coach or, um, you know, a sports medicine practitioner or a team that has a PhD in, in theoretical physics, and nor should they, right? So uh, what he can do in 60 minutes to a data set is very different to what, you know, <laughs> one, of, one of our practitioners could do in 60 hours. But like, you know, if you flip reverse that, like what they could do in 60 minutes on a training field versus what he could do in 60 hours on a training field would be the exact, you know, you, we would see the, those similarities, like yeah, they, would, they would mirror each other. So I think sometimes we do have to understand that it, it you know, our time probably is not best spent to sometimes doing stuff like that. And like, if we can have somebody or we can have something that can do that for us, then using those time, that time that we do have, right. That, that, that 60 minute window where we're on a plane and, and maybe it isn't Netflix. Maybe we can be starting to leverage the insights that we're getting and turning those into decisions and turning those into better plans and turning those into conversations with coaches who are sitting on the plane as well, potentially looking at Netflix. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think time is, Time is relative. Yeah, obviously. And you could more probably combine that into more a, a mindset. A mindset of finding the time when you don't have or organizing your time differently. And in relation to the expertise, uh, it's more, like again, a stuff that we, we've been doing. And I mentioned Mathieu a few times. And I mentioned Ben, all the guys I was working with. Uh, when we didn't have expertise, we just picked up the, the, the phone or sent emails to look for the expertise outside. So you can do that in a club if you have this mindset and open, open, yeah, this, yeah, this open mindset to to look for expertise, and uh, of course the the expertise of people like uh, like Derek are invaluable because yeah, this guy is just uh, brilliant. One, I'm just second guessing people's thoughts from the outside looking in. Obviously, coming from Kitman, a commercial entity, have people been? skeptical of okay this is all great but what are you guys getting out of it people are, you, are always skeptical yeah human that. beings are skeptical right <laughs> yeah and of course like you know there there is things that are in it for us right but those things come from a really good place right we i didn't leave a job in professional sport to build a tech company right <laughs> you know that doesn't that doesn't really excite me right i i left because i want to change the way we leverage data for decision making every day i want to change the the, the, the landscape of the tools that we have at our bestowal to like to do what we do. And ultimately I left because I wanted people to be able to have a greater impact. Right. And what I've learned um, over the last you know six years since I've left sports that that is hard. Right? That is unbelievably hard. And the industry is moving and changing and growing quite quickly. Right. And I haven't worked with a team directly for six years. It's a long, it's a long time. Right. So how do we keep close to the industry? How do we stay like abreast with what's happening right now? We do that by engaging. So what do we get from it? We get feedback, right? We get to stay current. Um, and what else do we get from it? Well, if we, we understand, well, where should we be building the tools of the future? So if we do want to change the industry, right, we have to, we have to create that. So 
do we sit in a room right by ourselves like whiteboarding what it is that we think the world should look like or do we listen to the people who actually are solving those problems every day and then develop tools that they tell us that they care about and that they need but instead of just again listening and saying okay these are the concepts these are the areas we should go build tools here let's also do that from a research and an evidence-based perspective so if we work on some of this research and and we start to identify what best practice should look like and what tools would need to be capable of doing and the complexity that they would need to be able to overcome, et cetera, then we can build tools and solve that. So absolutely, that what's in it for us is direction, right, and purpose. But I think what we can then provide back on top of that again to the industry is like the is pretty exponential in terms of the value that we can provide. So but and to do that we're going to need to invest more, right? So, you know, it's, it might be selfish <laughs> because we're getting that, but like, uh, you know, we are, we are truly like, and, and wholeheartedly like 100% invested in changing this industry, but we need people, right? We need the industry, to, we need the industry to want that, right? And if there are enough people out there that care about this to the same extent that we do, I guarantee you we will achieve something successful. And if there's not, then we'll 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 still try our very best. So so why hasn't this been taken on before, Stephen? Is it purely an investment time and, and money thing? Is it people being a little bit nervous of going out there and doing it? Of lots of different lots of different things, but it's probably also like a maturity thing, right? You know two years ago we were like still like twenty people. <laughs> You know, it's hard to do. It's hard to boil the ocean, right? We're also trying to survive at that point in time where we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to like, you know, like deal with the pressures that we have of like partners and clients who want more and more and more from what we're doing. And we're also trying to, you know, support the uh, the ever-growing needs of like our investors as well as to like the return on what, what they're investing in and seeing that that's making progress and traction, et cetera, in the market. And, um, you know, so they're, we're trying to fight multiple fires. And now, not to say that like we're not fighting lots of fires anymore, right? But we are we're at a much more mature stage, right? The scale of the organization is much bigger. The number of like the resources that we have are much bigger. I think we've proven to the industry and to the market that what we are doing is different, right? And the types of people that come and like become clients of ours, like type of people that join and, and become part of like the Kitman family now over the last two years, has been very different to what we had seen a, a number of years ago. It's you know, we have people that really do also like teams and organizations that are really forward thinking and really want to go and drive the industry forward. Um, and I think that's been, there's been huge validation as to the approach that we're taking and how we're going at it. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's probably a combination of that and, and us learning more about what works and what doesn't work and where the holes are. And, you know, we've developed tools that worked. We've developed tools that haven't worked. We've, uh, you know, we've had clients that have been really successful and we've had clients that haven't been successful, right? And, you know, we just like the, the, the approach that we're trying to take from a research perspective, we've spent a lot of time looking at ourselves internally and trying to understand well, where have we gone right and where have we gone wrong? And I feel like, you know, I feel like now is the time and it's the time to, to, to really grow up and really showcase like who we are and uh, put our money where our mouth is. Because quite frankly, I think every company in this space talks about research, but it's a word, right? That's all it is. It's a word. And then they say, oh, this, this university over here took some data and they went and did this piece of research. So we're research driven and we're like, this is, this is what we do. And that's, you know, no offense, right? That's fine. I and mean, it's great that's happening, but it's that doesn't change an industry. And 
I'm hoping that this does. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's tools that get created at the end of this to help that process along the way. What does, in terms of peer-reviewed research, Martin, obviously an area that you know well, along the way of this journey, could you give us potentially some examples looking into the future a little bit and just give people an idea of what you see as the potential medium term, what people may see in front of them in terms of a, something research-led? Like you, 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 you talk about stuff that we hopefully may be able to produce exactly. with Kitman. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that would have to be mainly around uh, injury or monitoring, of course, <laughs> with what you just said, you know. Um, so I think there will be probably um, some, some publications around the methods. Uh, the analytical method, so that again, back to direct works uh, work, um, and then we'll we'll just see where where, where we go once again we receive the, this uh, second round. But there will definitely be uh, some some heavy heavy things with uh, huge numbers because that's really the, the the beauty of having the opportunity to merge. Uh, data, as long as everything is anonymous, and we are, we, we good, we good, we good to go with, with this, you know. So there's no, there's no obviously no problem with uh, confidentiality and everything, which is highly important. Uh, but we have this ability to to deal with uh, with large uh, data sets. So um, the, the, and, that's, will... and that's the real value having a commercial entity like Hitman into this because it pulls all this huge oh, of data. Course. Yeah, of course. You know, so back to what I was saying uh, at the start, like when I see this job opportunity as a way to grow and learn myself as well, is that I've been doing a lot of internal research or internal or even stuff that have been published, but always with a small sample size. In Aspire, we had um, between six and eight teams to to work with. Um, But then when you work in a club, you work with your club data. So it's always the results related to this club. And that's most of the time the stuff that you have to acknowledge if you if you write uh, something. The um, the limitation will always be those results apply to the population studied. So the the, the bigger the sample size, the more you, you can try to to generalize a bit, or you can make subgroups so you have more more rooms to to look for different factors. Different you can just uh, have a more detailed analysis. So this is a, of a incredible value, of course. When you mentioned best practice and the sharing of what best practice may look like, how do you get to that point? I think there's a there's a there's a pretty big process in place to get to that point, right? And, and that to, to revert back to the last question as well, mm. right? Some of the things that we want to get from this are publications, right? But also, we all know that that process is somewhat broken within the industry and takes too long right so we will continue to publish but there are pieces that we want we want to be able to get out with podcasts and talk about what we're finding we want to be able to get out to our blogs and talk about it we want to be able to create webinars and like have discussions around what we're finding and what we're seeing and like have received feedback again through that and then there'll also be there'll be white papers and case studies and and pieces like that so i think the the type of content we will we get out with will be will be varied depending on like the use case, right? So well best practices, how will how will that come about? It may come about through a combination of like 
of discussion. It may come out through a combination of a number of pieces of, of research. Some of those might be publications, some of those might be white papers, and some of them might also be like how you pull some of those pieces together alongside like insights and feedback from practitioners who are working in the industry and can kind of define what those processes look like. Um, so I think it, it'll be a it'll be a blended um, kind of approach. And, but I think that works, right? Because we don't want this to be a thing where every six months we talk about what's going on, the performance, uh, performance intelligence research initiative. I think we want to be able to be out there and, and constantly create this dialogue with the industry about what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're finding, what's happening. And we want this just to become like part of the DNA and fabric of who we are, what we do every day. We want that to be cyclical. Just going back to the, re the results of this, the initial survey, you mentioned biases as well. Both of you mentioned the biases that you guys had of what you think you should have been doing. Did that marry up with the reality of what came out, just out of interest? Could you have predicted what you thought people's problems were? Um, yeah, thankfully. <laughs> we, we were not too bad. Okay. We were not too bad uh, at predicting the results. And I mean, that's not that surprising either because we are all in, especially in the performance uh, science group, so we are all, we have this experience from, from the field. So we've been there. So we know what's, what's important and complex. You know? So I think you could ask, you could have even blinded asked those questions to Darcy, Andy, or, and, all the, and, and all the others could be Brian or Greg who just uh, joined us. They will all have definitely more or less found, found those, those results in advance. Mm -hmm. So when's, when's that second survey going out? It's live now, so okay. since uh, last Friday. Okay, and just getting a bit more, just drilling down a little bit further, getting some more detailed answers from people. Okay, yeah, yep. yeah. And where where can people where can people get hold of it? And is it is it a use in it personally? Is it kind of mass yeah. market? No, what, so so far we sent the results of the first round to those who completed the first round as a way to both thank them and ask them to give us more 12 more minutes for round two. <laughs> uh, but obviously, once we will have collected uh, everything, probably early next year, um, we'll obviously put that, uh, make that public, of course, yeah. Okay. And that's, that's, the next, that's the next tangible thing that people will be able to get hold of, that initial yep. report. And that will yep. be for everyone, not just the guys that filled it in. Yep. No, of course, yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, so we'll try and produce a, a report basically looking at both the, the results of the initial piece and then the drill down into the second piece and then kind of talk about what that means for us as well in terms of next steps. Yeah. You mentioned performance intelligence, Stephen. Is that the is that how you've what you've termed this project? For us, that's kind of been a terminology that we've been using internally for quite some time. And it's because the reason that we, we use that particular terminology is that I think people talk about you know, the words performance science or sports science or analytics, et cetera, within sport kind of get used interchangeably. And they also get used in some contexts where there's lots of science in some contexts where there's not lots of science, right? And it's kind of become like in some organizations we've walked into sport, the sports scientist is the person that puts the GPS units on somebody's back and then brings it back in and downloads them and gives a report to the coaches. And no offense or anything, but like that, that's not exactly a scientific process, right? Um, and for us, you know, we also kind of looked at that and looked at some of those approaches and kind of thought, okay, well, like, 
why do we collect all this data? What are we trying to actually do, right? Why does somebody make a decision to purchase a technology within an organization? Why, what were they hoping? Like if somebody made a, made a transaction, decided to sign up for something, decided to pay for it, there was something they were hoping to get, right? There was an outcome that they were hoping this was going to help them get closer to that thing. And every time, regardless of what that outcome actually is, every time we boil it back to something and we really poke on this enough with people, what they really end up telling you is that we were hoping that that could help us to make this decision over here better so that we could empower this outcome over here. So it's all about decisions. And I think when you think about what we are trying to do to improve decisions, we are trying to approach that from a very scientific and a very evidence-based kind of scenario. And for us, that, that's about providing intelligence. Right? And everything that we're doing is about performance. So what, that's why we kind of we you know we 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 kind of coined this terminology of performance intelligence because everything is about driving performance, but it's about doing that through intelligence and information and insights and data. And um, you know, for us, I think the the first evolution, or we certainly feel like the first evolution, kind of within this kind of data centric approach within like high performance, was about. The, everybody moved towards let's collect more, let's collect more, let's collect more, let's consolidate it, let's get it all together, right? And then what we learned from some of the more sophisticated clients was they all got them into these places and into these systems and they were like, shit, now we have to deal with it. Get it out, get it out, get it out, get it over here and do something with it, right? And that's like, uh, I think that's a little bit of a letdown. Like everybody kind of, everybody got excited about getting it all and then like somebody burst their balloon and it was like, oh, we can't actually do anything with it here. It's not meaningful enough. And for us, I kind of believe like we're in a new age, right, within within the performance sphere. And that age is the age of performance intelligence because people have realized it's not just about collecting more, right? It's actually about what the hell are we going to do with this? What is this going to empower? How are we going to measure this? How are we going to understand the impact that it has? How is it going to change or influence what we do next? And that that to me is it's all about it's it's you know science obviously is important but it's about intelligence um, and for me we 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 very firmly believe the industry has now moved into an age of performance intelligence and we want to you know we want to be at the core of that. If I can just add, add something on that, I think obviously there's the intelligence in terms of the leverage of the data, but also again uh, I think the importance is to always have this idea of understanding the context. Again, to answer the right questions and know know what we don't know, or try to know what we don't know, you know, or um, or trying to understand better, yeah, how things can be implemented back, you know. And it is cool because we, between us, we have those discussions. So I was mentioning some of the guys, the performance, but like I had another chat with uh, John Darms, who who is in the in 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 Oz. Everything is about what we would like to do, what. But what we what we can do actually, what they can, what our customers or our partners can, how they can use those data, and sometimes even the best research, the best uh, intelligent process will will fall short if we don't have the opportunity to make it happen in in real time. So this is where hopefully we we try to to make the difference also by having by having people having lived the the pro sports and understanding what's what is actually possible. Martin, give us an insight into who's in the team with you. It's like a who's who of Oof, I just hope I'm, I, I, I won't I won't butcher Don't leave anyone out. Uh, so <laughs> so I leave it that no um yeah so Andy, Andy Shelton has been almost my my second dad since uh, <laughs> I've, I've been in the company. Yeah. He's 
he's incredible. I think uh, I don't want to cry, but he's 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 <laughs> he's, um, he's incredible. So he really makes the 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 partnership uh, in live with the with the with the teams. But you have um, um, yeah, you have Darcy is more he is more on the in with the the the, the US clients uh, Darcy Norman. Um, we have um, Brian. He's been with uh, the Cirque du Soleil before, so he has also a complete different views of um, Brian Bernstein. He has a different views of of the things as well. Uh, I mentioned uh, John Darms, uh, Greg Greg Salmon, who just uh, joined. Uh, do I forget someone in this performance science? Where's Greg oh. come? Where did Greg come from, Martin? Uh, rugby as well. Okay. Ex nice. player. Yep. Um, and then we have uh, Kev, Kevin McLaughlin, who's uh, kind of putting the link between between everyone as well. Um, so this is a performance science team, but then we're all linked with a bunch of uh, sports applied sports scientists, which are the guys in the trench in the trenches with the, with the clubs, and those guys have. They could do a big, big portion of what we do as well. So it's just a matter of just splitting the task and uh, getting, getting efficient. But those guys have a very, very good understanding of, of what the club do. Like they're really hands-on, so they help clubs to get the data in, output data, help them to get uh, things done on a daily basis. So they have a very, very important job to keep things moving. Uh, and we also already mentioned the analytic teams from uh, from Direct. So it's a it's a pretty large team now. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive how, how people get uh, to work together. Nice. I've kept you past the hour, but where, where can people get some, get more information on what we've spoken about, keep up to date with what's coming next? There's the Kevin Labs website. The best place comment to be? the website. Yeah. Come to the website, like looking at our, our, our profile on Twitter and then just reaching out, right? We have a, we have an email handle at science.kitmanlabs.com. And if there's people that are interested in getting involved or people that are interested in finding out more and people that, you know, want to share their kind of views on research with us and where they'd like to see this go. And if they feedback about what they think is good, bad or indifferent about this, you know, we're all, we're all open ears. Like we said through this, like our main role right now, whilst we're trying to kick this off and get it off the ground is, is listening. So you know, any feedback, uh, positive or negative, is, uh, is is appreciated, right, and helping us to kind of get this right. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, they'll find us on the website. They'll find us, uh, they can find us directly on email, and, and they can grab us on Twitter. Nice. And that would push through your personal channels as well, both of you, Martin? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Of course. Cool. Yep. Perfect. Thank you very much to you both. Good to chat. And Thanks, uh, stick, stick around, we'll have a chat, but I'll uh, officially let you go. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Thanks. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to episode 321 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. Big thanks to Martin and Stephen for coming on and giving us some insights into the survey and the research that's been done over at Kitman Labs. And really interesting to hear Martin's story of why he left PSG and why he's moved away from been on the ground in pro sport to a, a role with Kitman Labs. So also big thanks to Hawking Dynamics, I Measure You, Black Box Fitness, Kitman Labs themselves and Perch for sponsoring this episode today. The podcast could not run in its current form without these guys so I really really do appreciate their involvement. So thank you very much for tuning in and I will chat to you next week.